Oh no, that someone just sent us a review. A bad one. <clears throat> what does it say? We couldn't have done it like The Office though. I don't want to, I don't want to be, do it like The Office. This thing if, is, if, if we're just talking about plot scene by scene extras and analysing their motivations... Like, exactly, and we, and we can't be entirely uncritical. Oh, you know, I'm sure I, I read that right before I, before I, you said fresh I just, I, I can't do this. I can't do this, so I, I can't go through with this. I am so fed up. You know, I'm 35 years old. Most people my age are out with their wives and their girlfriends. You know, I'm, I'm sat here in my bedroom podcasting with three other middle-aged men. And don't get me wrong, guys, when I looked at you, I thought, oh, yeah, what a pathetic bunch of losers. You know, I felt sorry for you and, you know, I took pity on you and that's why I came. But you know what? I'm actually worse off than you guys in many ways. I'm lower on the chain than you. How do you think that makes me feel? I'm not having a go at you guys because I'm sure you're nice guys. I'm sh I know you're nice guys, but you know what? I've got to go because right now I'm actually depressed. Oh God! <laughs> Starting on a downer. Wow! Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> Starting as we need to go on this whole episode. Bloody yeah, hell. it's quite. It's a little bit depressing, isn't it? This episode. <laughs> no, I don't think it's depressing. I love this episode. It's one of my favourites. That that makes me a bit worried about you, to be honest. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> is, it is. It is. You think there's something wrong with you for a start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hilarious in its kind of examination of just not even depression, really. I don't think, I don't it's, think like it's depressing. I think there's nothing depressing. He's just about a dullard, it. as he's called. As oh, I, yeah, I just but, found out. <laughs> but do you not feel some compassion for the dullard? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you're supposed to. You're supposed to. You, you said before we start recording that you thought Milman was being a prick in this, and he is. I think we're supposed to think he's being a prick. Like, mm. and I think I think a lot of it's because he looks at dullard and he thinks there, but for the grace of God, go I. Yeah, probably, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or like he says at the end, he's yeah. a forty-three-year-old bloke and he's spending time with another forty-year-old bloke. But the Dullard is in the exact same boat, do you know what I mean? But at least the Dullard did have a wife and those kids and everything, yeah, at least, you know what I mean? Maybe that's anyway. even more depressing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> start with... <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Wernham Blog Extras podcast. Now sadly, Seth isn't here with us today, but my name's James and with me, he may not be the Joker in the pack, but he is reliable. And if he says he's going to be available to record a podcast, he does it. It's Danny. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nothing else planned, you know. My wife left me to, you know, go buy cauliflower. <laughs> And he never sits on the actor's bus when he's on set, it's Jack. Tell him Uncle Jack's in town. <laughs> okay, here we are guys. So we talked last week about how this show is just all killer, no filler after the Les Dennis episode. And this is a classic example. It is. I remember watching it a week after the Les Dennis episode and thinking, oh, it would never match last week's. And all right, it didn't, but it was nearly as good in a completely different way. Yeah, in a completely different way because it's absolutely not about the guest star in this one. No, absolutely. I mean, he's barely... I mean, we we could we could brush over Samuel L. Jackson's presence in about five minutes because this is all about Steve Spears as the Dullard. Yeah, absolutely. So Samuel L. Jackson's actually his, his last scene is fantastic, and I really really like how he bookends the whole show. Yeah. So he does kind of come in at the very beginning, and you get that instant cachet of oh wow, it's Samuel L. Jackson. And then at the end, obviously, he's got that brilliant scene, albeit he doesn't necessarily contribute that much to that scene, but no. it's still a fantastic sort of uh, way of closing the episode. I mean, it's, it, yeah, but the last scene just relies on like his presence. He's got, he has yeah, got the gravitas like a kind of, got, yeah, yeah, like a gravitas, like a kind of magnetic presence, hasn't he? And that's kind of so it works in that way. Yeah, but it's not necessarily down to him. It's just the fact that it's he's there. And yeah, it's, it's the, the faux pas. Without, yeah, without kind of wanting to sound like kind of like dismissive, it could have been any black actor. Do you know what I mean? Like to work Ooh. in that because they wanted it. Same to you, are they? <laughs> 
No, that's all. I think that, no the thing is, he's possibly one of the biggest actors in the world, and I would say definitely the biggest black actor in the world. I guess, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. it's it's it, everything he represents. Which I mean, I was watching Goodfellas the other day. And they were never going to get Denzel. And Washington. I didn't even know he was in that. You know, there's so many things that Jack, Sam Jackson's yeah, no, been yeah, in he's, that he's I'm kind of unaware day. of. Yeah, he is, and, and it's such a small part, but it's kind of he just he's so ubiquitous. Well, he's the highest grossing actor ever in Hollywood. Well, there you go. His films together have made more money than any other actor in living history because he's been in all the Marvels, all the Star Wars, the three of the Star Wars's, uh, what other franchises he's been in? Loads. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's yeah. Kind, he's he just, is just your go-to Hollywood yeah. superstar. Which, yeah, when the, he was... The Matrix. You're as crazy as the people on Twitter. Right. I'm not Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> That's my fault. Oh, I know boy. that. That was my fault. We oh. don't all look alike. You bloody get on with it, ignorant. One thing I really like about this episode, right, is how we talked about it in the Les Dennis one, where normally, um, well, rather in the last episode, Andy and Maggie are the normal ones, right? They're yes. the Deadwood, and everybody around them is a little bit crazy, and that's maybe a commentary on being in the theatre, maybe. Yeah. But when you go into this world, they're back to being the crazy ones, and everybody else is normal. So it's kind of... Yeah, when, they, weird when they, they stop off the film set. I hadn't yeah, thought about that. It's weird how they kind of they yeah. traverse these two different worlds, and yeah, maybe yeah, it's kind yeah. of representative of like the difference between treading the, the, the boards. And it also happens again when the, in the... Um, in the Kellerman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he goes back in, and again, he's the, the straight dead man. Straight straight wood. Dead that's man. a good point, actually. I hadn't thought about it. I wonder if that's deliberate. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Because if you imagine like any of those Les Dennis characters in this episode Samuel L. Jackson Dan the director all of them would think they're, they're completely nuts especially yeah. people like Bunny Bunny's got no place in an episode like this do you know what I yeah, mean they yeah, would, yeah. nobody would take him seriously well I guess it's, it's similar to in The Office where like, we've spoken about before like the the, the, the film sets in extras are like the office in the office. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like they're the kind of they're the real world in inverted quotes. So I suppose yeah, it's the idea of when Andy steps off the film set into our real world. That's when things become a bit more kind of like strange and surreal, and like he meets all the kind yes. of crazy characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a like what we talked about it before in the office when you say like the contrast. It works by the contrast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're so used to seeing these guys in a film set, actually, when they're just no cameras around and they can just have all these weird experiences with these weird characters it kind of shows a different side yeah have you guys seen the what do you call it um extras night in i watched for seven what about seven jackson right. today yeah now in in that episode ricky gervais and steve are talking about this episode in particular and they feel like it's a kind of an odd one out they were saying yeah almost... i'm not sure that i kind of totally agree with them but what did they say well they were saying that it's kind of it doesn't it has such a it, they keep basically compared it to like Seinfeld. So mm. in Seinfeld, you've got these shows where obviously famously nothing really happens in those shows. Yeah. And it kind of made me think about this one. If you were to sort of lay out the synopsis, aside from the sort of social confusion and, and sort of uh, the sort of, I don't know how you'd call it, the sort of the sort of challenging the social conventions around when somebody owes somebody else a favour or not. Yeah. Other than that, nothing happens. He gets a line and he loses <laughs> it. That could literally I, be the and synopsis. Yeah, and he was also, he was, yeah, you reminded me now, he was also comparing it to like, yeah, Seinfeld and Kobe enthusiasm in that it's kind of like, it's it's the comedy of escalation, like yeah. kind of things keep keep just mounting up until. So, Absolutely. for example, Maggie on the bus, she's not allowed on the actors' bus. Yes. So then she doesn't let the actors on her bus, but in doing that, she it makes her look like she's kind of segregating between blacks and Absolutely. whites. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the timing's perfect. But again, it's yeah, a very exactly. Larry David so kind enthusiasm. enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, I'm trying to think back because he's all. They've always said straight away that especially extras was kind of Seinfeld 
Larry David-esque. Yeah. No, I so don't. I wonder if... But I suppose, yeah, you're right in the, the, the first four episodes at least, but we've... I mean, it kind of changes in, episode, in series two, I think. Yeah, definitely. But there's more progression. Sp- specifically in the first four episodes of this series... Yeah, they have kind of just been a bit more kind of loose yeah. and formless and uh, haven't had that kind of escalation. Another reason that this could stand on its own, though, is because you notice there's no agency in this one. No, Again, yes. The main yeah, you mentioned that in the first forward. one. And there's literally no... It's, it's, a, it's almost not, not a bottle in the traditional sense, but it's bottled in the sense that... It, like you, I agree with you, Danny. I think it could be anyway. Because yeah. it does no mention of his career. It's just he gets a, a whiff of something and actually nothing really happens, like I said. He's, yeah. He spends the whole time on set and all besides this awkward in, uh, you know, interaction with this guy... That's literally, and by the way, I'm not. That's not slagging it off. I love Seinfeld. I love that fact that they can condense it all just down to these sort of social faux pas that people don't yeah, realise. It's, exa- it's just each episode is just an examination of one particular yeah, theme. To me, it's similar like, to the Kate Winslet episode. Yeah, similar to me. This is like you could. Uh, I feel like you, this is what Larry David would be like if he was English. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's like he's normally he would challenge these conventions. If Larry David was there with the dullard, he would just say to him, you know, in fact, Andy at one point says, you know, you can't say to someone you don't want to be their friend because that's saying fundamentally yeah, you pure. disagree with their personality on a very basic level. Yeah. That's literally word for word what Larry would be comfortable saying to somebody. Yeah. He would just say, look, it's I'm really sorry. Curve, I just it? don't agree with your personality. I'm not yeah. interested. Yeah, thing, Larry would have straight away said to the guy, yeah. I'm not going for me with you. Andy hasn't got that kind of... I mean, But that's both, Britishness, they, though. They, that's both, the... they both create these problems for themselves, Larry and Andy, but in different ways, because Larry would have straight away said, yeah. I don't want to go from me with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then that would have led to whatever else happens. But Andy, in his Britishness, like you said, James, kind of, he doesn't say that straight away. And that in itself leads to this escalation yeah. of he's kind of got to keep avoiding the guy and then blah, blah, blah. Add him to the long list of people that he'll have to avoid for the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah. That's, it, that's how he deals with it. But I mean, what, what I'd say to you guys is if you were Andy Millman... And you had this dullard guy. What would you do? Because it's so awkward, and I think it can It sort of um, it covers a lot of like depressing real topics. Like yeah. if you're a lonely like middle aged man, and your your wife's left you, and you haven't really got any friends. What yeah, do you it do? does delve into that. It kind of delves into it, doesn't it? And I think I would definitely feel sorry for him, but I feel. Well, the thing and is, it's not like, the wrong hang on, hang on, hang on. It's not like he, he, let's just be honest, Andy is indebted to him at the beginning. It's not like he's just a random nobody. He gives him a line, or not, he gives well, he it to him, but he helps him. He helps him get it. He could have no, just had it for himself. But it certainly is, I mean, I think in the end, you're kind of, your sympathies are supposed to lie with the Dullard. You are supposed to think that Andy is a prick. But in real life, it is weird that the Dullard just <laughs> assumed, I got him a line, that's great. So now we have to go out for a meal. Do you know what I mean? He, I would he, buy him a like, pint. That's I mean, what I'm saying. I would definitely buy him a pint. I, I, you know what I mean? He's just the, a, he's a nice guy. This is the guy. problem. This is the problem because he doesn't say, "Let's go out for a pint." He says, "Let's go out for a meal." Do I know still think he would have done that. Straight away, it, it, it sets things off off the wrong. What he actually says is, "Take me out on the town one." Take me out on the town. it's got a sort of a feminine undertone to it, like dinner and dancing or something. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that's a big undertone as well? Like throughout this whole episode, Andy. It seems to me like he's massively worried about being seen as somehow gay with a dullard. Yeah. I didn't really pick up on that. I know you mentioned that to me earlier. There's there's no, no, really, no, in, in, in the I restaurant think, scene, that's definite. I think he makes a point only because there's two women there that are of similar age. I think he just wants to make illustrate the point to them. Uh, shall I order us some champagne? No, it's not appropriate. We'll have a lager. We'll have a lager each. Down it and go, go home and watch telly in our separate homes. What a tragic couple we are. We're not a couple. His wife left him, and I'm out shagging regular as clockwork. So then, but he doesn't really. I don't. I get the impression he gets that feeling. I would the rest say of that. It. Yeah. I, in in fairness, it's to, just odd. Yeah. The fear of Drake. I, 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 I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Bottle of champagne. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not what we are. We will rock you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, the, ta- by the time he gets to the restaurant scene, yeah. that's clearly that the the no, it's not even subtext. It's text that Andy <laughs> is worried that they're going to look like a gay couple. But I think that. 
when he initially asks him up for a night in the town, it's not that Andy's supposed to be thinking, oh God, this is going to make me look gay. It's more supposed to be like, this is weird. I don't, I don't know this guy. I don't want to go out mm. with him. Do you know what I mean? Uh. And you do meet, oh God, I've been on, I've been on film sets as an extra where you get these kind I of... I was say you've been on dates with Doug. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you get these oddities that come up to you and just start a conversation with you. I mean, and it makes sense because it's oh. such like a kind of, it's a, it's a kind of claustrophobic, like... Um, set that you're on for the day yeah, yeah. and you kind of just need to talk to you know that's all that you've got nothing else to do but it's like it's just saying, you, and you, I've never been like just asked out for a night in the town but you do kind of like you find it's like it's like your kind of first week at university or something or you know the first week of a new job or whatever where you accidentally if you make eye contact with the wrong person at the beginning of the day that's it you're locked in and mm. you're their mate for the day do you know what I mean so you kind of do have to be there's there's politics of like who you should make eye contact with, and like you got so I, I, the, the, what I always do is just keep my head down until I kind of got the lay of the land, and now Danny's staring at me. He's it's like mate. those eyes at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's so good. But he looks over and he's a little yeah, nice. Yeah. He, I mean, again, we talked in the office, right, about the, the impact of people like Simon, the IT guy, and Rowan, yeah. the trainer. Yeah. This is such a amazing, a yeah. amazing one-off character, and he absolutely steals the show. And to the point where you can. You, we don't, it doesn't matter that um, Samuel L. Jackson isn't in it. It doesn't matter that the agent isn't in it. You hardly notice it's it. Because well, I was thinking this exactly. the other day. I wonder if the episode... Not that it works badly, it works. Like, it's a good episode. But I wonder if it would have had that slightly kind of extra element to it, extra layer to it, if the... Uh, the, the dullard had been a celebrity and it was about this kind of lonely celebrity but then I guess it would have had too much of Les Dennis, too distracting, Les Dennis and Ross Kemp yeah. together they really kind of I love that, that he's they? an unknown though yeah, yeah, or yeah, at least was at this point and now he's not an unknown he's in a thing like loads of stuff um, Steve Spears you know he, he's yeah, not he still an wouldn't unknown be, if it was made now and they got Steve Spears it wouldn't be he's the celebrity guest you know what I mean it's, possibly not an actor on the show. It makes me wonder who they would have now but uh, no yeah he probably wouldn't but again <laughs> I love Steve the fact that he's yeah I love the fact that he's just kind of given that as an opportunity because think about it as well he gets pretty much all the best lines in this episode yeah. there's so many amazing quotes like that one mm. you just said about Vera Drake a couple of lads opened a couple of cans I got a new DVD do you know what it is? Vera Drake yeah, no, yeah, yeah. A couple of lads, a couple of cans. It's an absolute. <laughs> I can't. You looked at what his what his career was before. Yeah, yeah. Like it's an absolute. But I, I, I can't remember what he'd been in. I don't think I've seen him in anything. I've seen him in stuff since his, but I hadn't seen. Don't think I'd seen him in anything before that. But what if you're an actor? Like I don't know if he knew Gervais and Merchant, but if he didn't and he just went on for the audition and he got the part, what a showcase! For yeah, he must 100%. have been, Him and his agent must have been loving it because this is just and. It's half an hour of just an opportunity to show what he can do. Absolutely. It's almost like winning the lottery as an actor. I'd love yeah, to talk yeah, to him yeah, about yeah. it someday because you could imagine what would happen if yeah. you've got that script and suddenly you can, uh, you're just being given this by Ricky and Steve. It's the, it says on in the front of it that it's the Samuel L. Jackson yeah. episode and you get, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's unbelievable how, I mean, what an opportunity he gets and he absolutely nails it. Yeah, yeah. You know he, what I mean? He, he doesn't fluff it. The it delivery, takes... and some of the time it's got to be in the delivery as well, these lines. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the whole show, sorry, then, but the whole show is, it's about, the struggle of being an actor and how you're kind of just desperate. You can get to to be some little 45-year-old yeah. chubby bloke and who's just desperate for a line. So, I mean, Steve Spears, you know, kind of like at some point he would have been a struggling actor just kind of like begging for a role like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And you, you get handed to, it's handed to you on a plate and it's one of those things, it's one of those times where you either, it's the opportunity, you'll give it, it's for once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and you either take it 
or you kind of flop it, and he absolutely took it. He took it and ran with it. It's funny how he doesn't come back, though. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, obviously with Bunny, they found this amazing side character, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. brought him back for the Christmas special. It does surprise me that they didn't bring him back. Because It would have been funny if in Series 2, like, Andy had turned yeah. up on set, and they were like, oh, we cast that, you know. Yeah, we, yeah. We cast the, Gobbler. Go, they could have been Gobbler, that Andy then didn't want him to do it or something. Yeah, that would have yeah, been yeah, great. Exactly, yeah, and, and he gets him fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, like, the way this episode ends is pretty kind of terminal for Dullard, isn't it? Like, you know, his head in the suit, that's a pretty clear indication <laughs> they're not going to be hanging around Yeah, that's again. true. But yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just a wasted, like Ricky and Steve, I'm saying. It was a wasted kind of character. Yeah, right. We're saying if, imagine in series two, if there was an episode where Andy turned up on set and he knew that there was a, a, a one-off actor that was supposed to be cast for that day yeah. and he turns up and it's Madullard and Madullard recognises him straight away and Andy's like, oh, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. like a little bit of a foil, yeah, a little yeah. history between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> or even in the Christmas special because Bunny comes back in that and they have all the like, all of the, the, the stars come out to play on that episode, don't they, in the Christmas yeah. one? Yeah. But the thing is, I can't think of another great side character in extras like this guy. Probably is Bunny, but... Yeah. yeah, Bunny and, and, and Madonna, that's kind of like... Keith Chegwin, but he's a kind of a celebrity character. Yeah, he doesn't count, he's a celebrity. But yes, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're comparing him to um, to Simon and uh, and Rowan from The Office, yeah, it would be Bunny and Madonna. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of... But I mean, that's, what, that's clearly what Stephen Merchant and Gervais are kind of are great at, is kind of like just creating these kind of fun little side characters that mm. they can just kind of like just put all their fun lines and kind of elements into it's the way that he's and, and again it's in the face you know the bit when he first starts talking and when he first turns the conversation dark I can't remember what it is it's the very first conversation one day a couple of kids right they're messing around in his shop and they chucked bleach in his eyes and they blinded him and he says about how you know he never said he'd never laugh again yeah I don't and think he is and then he just says that ridiculous thing about oh I stopped going to see him because you know it got bored <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which also I quite like that because it also it, it doesn't make Madonna the saint that Andy yeah brought. exactly there's, like, a... there's clearly an element of like he's a bit of an opportunist as well he's a... <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all he wants is someone let me hang around with for a laugh yeah, yeah, and of yeah. course there's that second story he says well, I don't know, is this Pete Shepard as well which is about um you know, the guy dying uncle, of a thrombosis while his oh, wife's doing God, it with another yeah. man next door. Is that, is that also Pete Shepard no, right? after uncle. going blind? Oh, that's his uncle. Oh, is it his right? uncle? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah Like, yeah, Ruby, yeah. don't take your love to town, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, he's trying to make new friends. He's a lonely guy. I feel sorry for him, but this is his method of making friends, telling two of the worst stories. Well, it's funny you say <laughs> that, Danny, because when I was watching... When I was watching, when I was watching it this time, it definitely reminded me of David Brent. We said in the Office podcast about how Brent is his person. He put so much stock... He put so much stock in humour and he I mean he's not quite the same as the Vidala doesn't see himself as, as a comedian he just wants to be made to laugh by other people yeah. but Brent puts so much stock in um, in, in humour and he thinks he's this great comedian but at every opportunity when he goes out for social occasions when he goes out to the pub with the with the Swindon lot he just brings the tone down yeah every, that's every so anecdote, true every story he tells ends up in something depressing dad's not depressed he's in a home you know yeah, good uh, as he's, he's, he's got a friend who's got a not a happy home yeah life. yeah yeah there's so, loads yeah. isn't so, there so, and that's very yeah. much like that's very much like the dull isn't it like, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he loves to, he, birthday he, 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 he loves to laugh <laughs> every story every story he starts telling is about how oh, I got this you know, this is great, my mate, my mate loved to laugh. And then it always ends up depressing, do you know what I mean? It does, yeah. And then the second one, when he comes up to him and he, and he collars him in the in the sort of, he's, the worst best part is he's kind of cornered in yeah. this little uh, shoe horse, like little uh, horseshoe shaped uh, catering unit. Yeah. He can't get out. And he and you could see um, Andy Millman's face as soon as he starts talking and he's sort of looking off camera and he's sort of bracing himself for yeah, the depression yeah. that's coming his way. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the first one, it catches him unawares. This one, he's just making Tim faces off camera again the whole time. But it's yeah. like he almost knows it's <laughs> Coming though, yeah, it's exactly. like, like, oh, one of them might try and talk to me, and then it happens. It's like he, he can see it coming. I don't know if he's already seen his eyes at that point, but yeah. <laughs> Say what you like about him though, he's done more for Andy's career in the last five minutes than Darren Lamb's done in five years. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? By getting him aligned with Samuel L. Jackson, of all yeah. people. And he's passed over his chance just so he can... Yeah, well, he's already been seen, but he didn't have to tell him that. Do you know what I mean? He, he definitely... I don't quite understand that hole he's already been seen. No, that, that happens, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I thought you, you might you, be able to enlighten You me can on lose that. out on whole days of work because if, if you've already been in one scene and you're supposed to be on another day... Like, oh, yeah, obviously, yeah, because you, yeah, you can't yeah, be the same can't, character. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I, of course. I've, I've been on uh, The Crown series three, that Netflix show, and I was a journalist... For a couple of weeks. So what? What was the line then? Let's pretend we're on the crown. Let's pretend we're on the crown now. What was the line? Yeah, no problem. I did get get a line. They gave me a line to say, like, because there was a scene where I was supposed to be a protester chasing after um, (laughs) gluing yourself to a carriage. Who was the prime minister after Churchill the second time? Uh, Attlee. Attlee. Eden. How do you know that? My, Eden was the Suez Canal guy. Yes, yeah, the Suez Canal guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah I, what about Suez Canal in a minute? <laughs> I should have known that because, uh, because my line was Eden, you coward. Because <laughs> I, I was angry about the Suez Canal, yeah. right? So I got to chase him up the up the train station platform, and they gave me this line, and that was like I felt like Andy Moon when I've been given a line, and then it turned out that that scene was. Um, shown in like silently in a montage. Oh no, so you had the line so, that you didn't get anyway. You can clearly see me, I'm right in the front, but I did, you can't hear my line, yeah. Which is a bit annoying. Okay, quite a few people are. In this day and age. <laughs> quite a few people are. First office we've got Anthony Eden answer just because of the crown. Bloody Netflix. There you go, yeah. <laughs> got that series canal. <laughs> so yeah. Answering next week's quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Why? Have you got someone on the door? Oh, damn, We're in the middle of a podcast, Danny. Just tell him to fuck off. So I'll just go. In the middle of a podcast. That's never <laughs> happened before. That's literally the first time that's ever happened. Who is it? Oh my god, guys. It's only Steve Spears who plays Dullard in episode five. What? Steve Spears? What's he doing here in a flat in Berkhamstead? It's that's mental. Hello. Hey, Steve, how are you doing? How are you boys? Right. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, like I said before, it's kind of one of those uh, people that is in a very, very select club, Steve, who's been able to upstage Samuel L. Jackson in an episode. <laughs> I was talking to these guys. The, the, the coolest man in the world. Um, he, I, I tell you what, I was very lucky, actually, because um, Sam Jackson was supposed to be in the episode um, a lot more, from what I understand, in the beginning. Uh, and uh, he was over to do a Parkinson interview and because we had him for so little time, or, you know, Ricky and Steve had him for so little time, they um, they blocked exactly where he would stand and had all the camera angles worked out because he could literally dash in in the afternoon, do it, and then go. So everything was blocked, ready, and um, he came in, did his stuff, which is pretty <laughs> good, and, uh, and off he went. So, yeah, um, and I think that normally when you've got the, you know, the celebrity guest in it, that sort of dominated the episode. And I tend to think that because of the fact that they didn't have that much of him, uh, there was room for another character then to be developed. And um, yeah, and luckily it was my, my character. Well, we spoke about that on the podcast as well, the fact that it is basically, it, it's more a Dullard episode or a Steve Spears episode than it is a Samuel L. Jackson episode, absolutely. Well, I tell you, if, if I'd had the same money as him, I'd accept that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, it is a Sam Jackson episode. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I, I was over in America doing summer, I think uh, around that time or just after I was doing some stuff on Paris to the Caribbean and people were, you know, it, it, Americans were stopping me, they're oh my God, I love that episode that you did, which is really flattering, <laughs> um, you know. Um, <laughs> Well, I think yeah, especially, I, I think, I mean, I don't know, if, did you watch the episodes around your episode? Have you watched the whole series? 
Yeah, of course, yeah. So, I mean, I think especially compared to the Les Dennis episode, your character kind of certainly kind of fits in that idea of, you know, being a kind of a foil for the Ricky Gervais character and kind of, you know, being almost like a, a, a comedy duo kind of thing. So, yeah, it was because, but obviously, yeah. sorry, go on. You know, I mean, and that, and that, that was something that, you know, as, as, as we were filming the scenes and working on it, um, became more evident to me that they, it was a great foil for Ricky's character and, um, and it was something for him to, for his character to push against, which I think is when the comedy is at its best in that scene. Mm. One of the things we talked about in this episode is kind of how it's almost reminiscent of the sort of Larry David Seinfeld um, sort of rhythm to it in the sense that it's all structured yeah. around social norms and, and what you can get away with in polite society and stuff. So that's one of the things that was really stood out for us as, as part of this episode. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I mean, the, the thing is, is that it's so brilliantly scripted. A lot of people have said to me, how much of this was improvised now? And whereas if you're looking at Seinfeld, or certainly with Curb, then, you know, you've got a plot point at which you're aiming towards and an arc of a, a, scare, a scene that you're aiming towards and you come out at the other end making sure you sort of put your coat on those hooks, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, um, but, you know, this was brilliantly scripted. All of the nuances were completely there. I was allowed to play a little bit with... Um, things like about when he went blind, the character went blind. Oh, man. <laughs> and and I'd, I'd say, yeah, not my cup of tea. Absolutely wet himself. And what was great um, about that was that you'd, you know, you'd, you'd, want to, you'd want to involve that and work with it. But, you know, it's it's not in any way uh, structured in the same way as those things because it's, it's, it's written, it's very much written. Mm. We had a chat with um, you and Macintosh, uh, the, uh, Keith from The Office, and he said something very similar in the sense that it, it was just 99% scripted. They, they had a very clear direction of where they wanted to go, and it made it really easy for him as an actor to sort of bring his A-game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I just did a bit on um, Afterlife too. Oh, I'm not supposed to be able to say that. Um, well, I said, <laughs> oh, exclusive. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, yeah, you know... Um, Ricky contacted me, and uh, I was really flattered. We'd, we'd had such a great time doing um, the uh, extras episode. Uh, I was in India doing an episode of Sharp, and, uh, oh, Christ, I sound like one of those fucking actors. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I was, at this time, I was six months in the RNC. <laughs> you don't have a chat and a laugh. Then I three series of Agatha Christie, Six Fellows, <laughs> and then nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, and um, yeah, and I was, and, and they rang me and said, "Look, would you like to do some stuff on this film we're doing called Cemetery Junction?" Mm. And they'd written uh, this um, sergeant, which they called Sergeant Spears throughout the whole of the process. And <laughs> you ought to perhaps change it to another name. Um, and so, you know, the work, working with them again came out when with Afterlife, it was exactly the same thing that Ricky Drang said, "And I'll look at this." Um, but what was really great was that sort of trust that. Um, they, they, he would let me sort of play on play on it, and if it worked, then we'd keep it in. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. that is freedom that you have when a you trust each other on the other side of the camera, and you you can give each other's rhythms the space that they. So you you, you know you're working with each other and not singing against each other, and and also you can only you know I always say you can only 
bounce on a really good trampoline. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's good. Yeah. No, that is a very good analogy, actually, yeah. yeah. So that you actually... Know, kind of... and, and when the writing's that good, you can bounce as high as you dare, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. But that, that response actually ties into one of the questions we had, which is, so did you did you audition for extras? Did you know Ricky and Steve before that? Yeah, no. I I mean, the other stuff that I've done with them since came up from offers um, because I hadn't fucked up extras. But, um, <laughs> yeah, they, I auditioned along with, um, you know, whoever else it was. Tracy Gillum, who's the casting director, yeah. um, called me in, um, you know, with, with, a, with a number of other people to... Um, to try out for it, yeah. It's kind of whenever when I look back on this episode, it's fair to say your character has almost every dynamite line. You know, what I mean, all of the really memorable quotes and all of the memorable moments seem to be coming from your character. And it's kind of as an actor to get that script, it must have been sort of manna from heaven, really, to sort of have that opportunity to shine. Yeah, I mean, I, t- I tell you what is interesting is when you look at it. Um, I, I, you know, it's in, right, there's two ways to look at that. The, the one is that the fan base of this is incredibly loyal. You know, I mean, you mm. guys who love The Office and love extras, you know it word for word, yeah? And I, yeah. I, 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 can, Guilty. I, I do a show, I was, I was doing a touring show and people come up me in the pub <laughs> quoting my character to me. And they know it better than I do. You know? <laughs> in fact, the only people who are fucking nerd here are Star Wars people. <laughs> so it's fair to say you are you are the comedy nerds, but you know that's true. I'm going to take that. Yeah. Oh, we're having you know, that. I, I love the reason I I love fans of extras and I love fans of the office and I love fans of that sort of work I do is because I'm always really happy to talk about it. You mm. know, and I've done some right old pony. <laughs> so um, so it's always brilliant to talk about those things and. The fans seem to know the lines better than I do. And I think it's, at the time, I was just really keen to honour the honesty of the character, you know? Mm. So to not play for laughs, and the whole thing of of that character is that, you know, the minute you think you're funny, you're not. Um, yeah. And so you just get two people that, that are put into a situation that is awful, you know? Um, and... Um, uh, and and it's out of that awkwardness, that social embarrassment. It it is. And I remember watching it the first time, and I sort of watched it through my fingers <laughs> because it was so awkward to watch myself doing that. <laughs> um, um, but you sort of you tend to relish and enjoy it. And as a long way of coming round to it, I think that the lines have become the classic lines you think they are now. Yeah, yeah. Due yeah. to the over. The, you know, the, the, the time is had to become a bit of a cult in that sense. Um, I think that at the time, as an episode, everybody would have spoken about Sam Jackson. And mm. I'm pretty sure that is, is what happened when it first came out. I think that it's it's sort of, I may be wrong, mm. but I think it's sort of built that this character I played, who, who never had a name, you know. He didn't even have a name, I don't think. <laughs> I was going to um, say, what was his name? I don't know. I, I think mean, he's credited, I think he as credited as Dullard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and I think I think it, it may have been, I may have just been called extra in the original script. I can't remember, but yeah. it, it, it could be Dalard afterwards. But I have read on social media um, on um, what's the what's the one where you can look up uh, stuff about yourself. Um, not 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 porn sites. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wik- Wikipedia, yeah. Wikipedia, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I have read on Wikipedia. Um, I don't know whoever writes this stuff, but it's wrong. <laughs> but, um, that I, I based the character on myself and that 
I was called Dallard at university and that. <laughs> it's bullshit. It, nothing to do with That's that. That's crazy. Who would write that? What a random thing to just sort of <laughs> pluck out and decide is true. Yeah, I know. They've written it. Yeah, if I catch the fucker. Yeah. <laughs> so there we you, are, that, and there's like, what can I do about it? Yeah. Well, just calling him, I mean, the, the name just Dullard is a bit reductive, isn't it? Because we talked about it in the episode, but he's not just a Dullard. There is kind of, it kind of digs into some quite dark stuff about, you know, kind of middle-aged loneliness and, and how difficult yeah. it is, especially for blokes to kind of make friends with yeah, each yeah. other. When, once you get past a certain age, there kind of seems to be a block of like, yeah. now you can't just go up to a mate and say, yeah, you've had all your friends. Like, Should we be friends? Exactly. Actually, yeah. In the end, Danny Millman comes across as a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah. I think we'd all agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, the thing is with this, with the, with the character, is that, you know, when you look at it from an acting point of view, you say, right, what do I know about this character from what A says about himself, what other people say about him, what can you, what is the subtext of the book? And, you know, you're absolutely right. He's, his, his wife has uh, left him um, for another man. I think, I, I think if I remember, she went to uh, get a cauliflower from a shop. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, his best friend, uh, Pete, um, was blinded by some kids and he, he can't go to see him anymore because he, it's boring. He yeah. The, yeah, it's just boring. They <laughs> didn't have, the, you know, they didn't have a, a laugh. He had a bit of laugh with Pete as he used to. Uh, you know, a joke, bit of a laugh, laughing joke, and that's not happening. Um, and in a desperate um, attempt to make friends, it's really interesting about the extras business. Actually, yeah, the extras world because I think the Ricky and Steve absolutely captured this. I remember saying that to them. Uh, at the time we were shooting it, you know, I, I mean, I work in this industry, and I think that they they are the unsung heroes, the the essays, the supporting artists, the extras, uh, because you bring them in, they stay there for twelve hours, twelve hours, whether they need it or not. They are literally farmed into like holding areas, wait here now, and then they get told come with us, and there's a little riffle of excitement when they get put into another little waiting area. Oh God, it sounds awful. Where they wait. They get fed then at lunchtime, perhaps watered down with some new straw on a night time. <laughs> they then get taken to another waiting area, and then they're told, now walk across the back of the camera. They've been there 11 hours now. Walk across the back of the camera, act natural, don't look this way. Cut, thank you very much, go and sign your form, off you go. So what they do is they fill their day, these people, and I have every admiration for them. They fill their day with talking to each other. And they talk trivia. They talk about, because most of them know each other. They've done whatever, you know, last scene on a Miss Marple or whatever. So what they talk about becomes uh, more and more, you know, more and more, about less and less. And um, I think that with the character, he's so pleased to have somebody new to talk to, uh, Andy, that he, um, he just... You know, he just spouts out unnecessarily because he's so excited to have a new friend. And, you know, that middle-aged loneliness and the fact that he's no longer mates with Pete, his wife has buggered off, um, it makes him act irrationally and, and suggest they go to see We Will Rock You. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, yeah. You know. So you've got to feel for him, in a way. Yeah, the thing about We Will Rock You, uh, the bit with the soup, was that all planned or was that just because we always think that just seems like the most crazy moment in the whole of Extras, yeah. <laughs> where he puts his head in the soup. It's the only way out of um, talking to Donald. Yeah, it, it was planned. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, um, 
the the idea that you say I've got tickets. I mean, I, I, Rick didn't know the way I, the boys didn't know the way I was going to deliver that line, which caused <laughs> huge laughter uh, from Rick. <laughs> and the monitor. And um, if you look at that scene, actually, there's very few two shots in it because it was a real problem. Ricky was going by this point, um, and um, we we had to do it. With, he was out of the room some of the time, <laughs> shouting things out. So there's a lot of singles in it um, because he was going a lot. So there's not a lot of two shots in it. Yeah, that, and, is, that uh, is something you notice, if, especially us who've analysed yeah. Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant's stuff like in depth yeah. now by now you can notice when yeah when there's when there's one mm. over the shoulder and another over the shoulder when there's all these single shots you know that that's because yeah. Gervais can't make it through <laughs> yeah. no he can't he, Ricky just couldn't get through it yeah. Yeah. and you see that there's a lot of t- <laughs> there's a lot of the, the twos have got to go because you know in the end it's unusual but, um, but then the, the stuff with the soup uh, which I was thinking I'll try not to go because yeah of course um, one take obviously you know he's got to put his head in this thing um, and we went. We did, I, I went completely, because it was so. Um, I did it a few times, but yeah, no, that, that was scripted, and um, I, I love it. I just think it's a great moment. The pepper, and then he goes back. That's the yeah. favourite thing of all. Yeah, yeah. it's real. It's real. Um, it's real Oliver Hardy stuff. Yeah. yeah, think of it. You know, I mean, it's very, it's very much Babe Hardy or um, or Buster Keaton or something. Yeah, it's great. It's a real little homage. It's fantastic. I mean, yeah, and it's because yeah. Cause, it's almost like throughout the episode, it's got so dark and it's got so strange because of your character and the kind of the, the, the depths that they go and the conversations that they have. That there kind of almost is nowhere else for Andy Millman to go, is there? Like mm. but the, yeah. the only place he can go is into the depth. Well, he's, of the he's, soup. He's, so, <laughs> he's tried a fake gravestone and that didn't work. Yeah. you know what I mean. We yeah. talked about it. He's socially snookered in this, isn't he? he yeah, there's yeah, literally yeah. no way out. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. You know the thing is with people like the character I played. You know, the, what I always find amazing about these people, and they do find me, as I'm sure they find you in life, is that they have absolutely no radar. <laughs> no radar whatsoever. Their skin is so thick that what they're saying or doing is so inappropriate that they are, they're not, they don't pick up on signs that you've got to go. I've literally put the window up on my car on Sunday I was having a conversation with. It was literally <laughs> a final tap moment. It was, it was a final tap moment. So I thought, I can't fucking put up with this idiot anymore, and I'm just putting the fucking window up. Maybe, maybe he thought he'd found a fellow dullard. Yeah, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a dullard. Yeah, they find it. They find it. I know these people. <laughs> uh, one thing we were going to ask, you said that like you were you, while you were filming or when you were preparing, you were kind of going through the script and, you know, what information are you given about the character? Yeah. Do you... Because we were wondering whether or not it was deliberate that the character was Welsh. Because we were kind of, we had a theory that there's kind of a almost like a trope of Welsh characters, or like there's a kind of I don't want to call it a stereotype, but there's almost like an inherent darkness, isn't there, in some kind of in in a lot of Welsh fictional characters. Where yeah, no, there, he, was, he wasn't of, written as Welsh, no, um, and and neither was um, Sergeant Spears in the in the in the um, uh, uh, same direction, but. Um, but I think that uh, I think there's something about the Welsh accent that lends itself to that melancholy as well. Mm. Yeah, the, the, yeah, there's there's the sing-songy kind of mel- uh, yeah. accent that, that you hear, and then underneath there's yeah. the kind of uh, yeah, almost yeah, like melancholy. a melancholy. Yeah, like you were saying. Oh, I, yeah. and, and you know, I mean, as a nation, you know, and I, I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm obviously Welsh, and, and there's a melancholic streak to to us in the way that I view things. Sometimes my wife is Polish. 
Yeah. I mean, she's even worse. I mean, <laughs> God, they are. They're the most damned people I've met. I mean, God help them. They, they've been, you know, they've been invaded and persecuted so many times. She's got every right to be damned. But, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'm Welsh. My wife's Polish. We had a son. I thought the poor little bastard, he's going to be sort of like going between being deeply down or completely suicidal. <laughs> he's, he's a mixture of Welsh and Polish, but, um, but uh, he's, turned out, he's turned out okay, so there's obviously another father there. So, uh, <laughs> well, as your wife yeah. at 8pm looking for cauliflower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I tell you, it was really odd, actually. I went on this two-year tour, and I came back, and there were two of them. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you get suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, in answer, no, it wasn't written for me or wasn't written with a Welsh uh, rhythm. It's just, it's just the, rhythm, the one I gave him. Mm. And it's impossible to, to imagine any other way now, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, oh, well, yeah. that's, uh, thank you very much. I'd, I'd hate somebody else doing it, so, yeah. No, truly, Steve. We, we talked a lot about um, Iconic's um, sort of one-off characters in various shows, and, you know, there's been some really standout ones from The Office, but we can hand it to you as far as uh, extras is concerned. For somebody who's not the, the main character in an episode, you absolutely take the trophy. Well, I'd like to think I absolutely fucking nicked it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. No, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and, and joining us as well, man. We really appreciate it. Brilliant, brilliant. And it was so I just want to say I just worked with Ricky again in the last couple of months and it was such a pleasure. Nothing had changed in terms of his integrity to the work, um, the way that we responded to each other, the laugh we had was still brilliant. I was chatting with him afterwards, actually, Ricky, about the fact that it's incredible to watch as a process that, you know, you're the writer and you've, um, you know, you've, 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 you're directing it as you're acting it. You're on the other side of the camera, so you keep an eye on the shots you want as well. I just got my own show away, which I'm going to give an unrelentless plug to now, fellas, and it's called The Tuckers, and it's going to be coming out on BBC one Wales, BBC iPlayer. You can get BBC One, whatever, now on Sky, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it'll be out in January. It's called The Tuckers. I wrote it. I'm really proud of it. But, oh, excellent. You know, oh, I didn't want to... Um, yeah, it's great. It's a six-half-hour uh, six um, uh, comedy. And um, I'll make sure that uh, Ricky tweets about that, because I think he's got two or three followers now. So, um, <laughs> so is there and, any, um, any funny wigs, any funny catchphrases? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you watch it, and then when you interview me about it, I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we do yeah, a deep you know, dive into I mean, the Tuckers. The thing I was trying to say is that I, I just, the thought of directing myself in, would have been far too much an undertaking. I'd written it, I was playing the lead in it. I wouldn't have wanted to direct it. But mm. I think that comes with the confidence that the fact that, you know, that you've got all those miles under your belt. Absolutely. In terms of self-directing, that he's confident to do that, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right. Yeah, look out for it, fellas. It's, uh, I'm very proud of it. I think you'll have a laugh. Perhaps a chat and a laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> couple of lads, a couple of cans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you, you know the bloody lines better than I do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm surprised. You, you, you were able to recall it pretty well. Everyone else, we spoke to the guy that played Gobbler in Series 2. And we've spoken yeah. to you and Macintosh uh, about The Office. Yeah. And both of them had kind of like, they basically implied that 
after their job was done on it, they yeah. haven't really watched it back. Whereas he, I don't know if you watched it back, especially for us, and if you did, God bless you. <laughs> but if you didn't, your memory, your memory for your character is very, very good. No, I, I didn't, I didn't watch it back. But I'm like those two. My, my brain isn't adult with drinking drugs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just got a clear head. I've got too many children. You know, I go away and saw there's more children. I've got to keep, I've got to keep eye, eye on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, and by the way, Steve. Next time you speak to uh, Ricky, give a, give us a mention and see if he'll come on the podcast. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> good man. Cool. All right. Okay. Well, All the best, boys. thanks right, so much, thanks man. Really appreciate best. your time. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Yeah. Why are you telling me this? One of the things I wanted to mention though is how in that um, extras night in they talk about how this is the first episode they recorded yes, and they yeah, had to yeah. kind of meet up no not the first episode just those Samuel L. Jackson scenes oh okay so the first and then I think I, I imagine that they did those Samuel L. Jackson scenes like banked them like we do uh, okay. and then kind of then carried on with what because so yeah, one of the things they talk about is how um What's her name? Andy Ashley Jensen says, mm-hmm. you know, they were having a laugh with Ricky, and I'd never done a scene with him before. And it was like, I think it was him tossing his hat around, like pretending yeah, yeah, to catch yeah, it yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he does seem considerably more jovial than you see him throughout the rest of the show. You I know do what I mean? remember. I watched. No, I don't remember. I watched it back when I watched it back this today. I did have a look out to see whether you can tell that those are the early scenes, the first scenes they shot. And mm. I mean, you can't. It's pretty. Oh seamless. no, yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. seamless. You can't tell. I suppose what I'm getting at is, Andy gets progressively less happy. As yes. the show goes on, yeah, and yeah, you know, suddenly he's like laughing around and making rap a drainpipe joke. But you know, later on, so I think it's, it's like on the Congress in, in, in yeah, the yeah. last episode of the whole thing in the Christmas special. I'm pretty sure there's they're in the Ivy, and Maggie says, you know, when we were extras, we used to have a laugh at least, and he didn't. Yeah. I never did; it was shit. Yeah. But this is obviously evidence he did have a laugh. He was having a really good time, and there's that constable joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of times in in the first series where they're obviously having a laugh and joking around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and obviously they did that so that what Samuel L. Jackson was over recording snakes on a plane. Because promoting snakes on the plane. Promoting snakes on the plane. That had some serious <laughs> promotion though. That I, think, I, I, think, I think, yeah, maybe you should have just like done a bigger part of this and sacked off the old snake. <laughs> <laughs> snakes on a plane was massive, man. You forget, that was a really like such a huge buzz around it at the time. Just because, they, all because the title was so shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. that was a title that Sam Jam insisted on. He insisted on because they were going to convey, it was, the script was called Snakes on a Plane. That's right. And then they, were, they thought it was, the production company thought it was so embarrassing they were going to change it to like Flight 74. Yeah, and he said. <laughs> And he was like, no, no, no. If I signed on to Snakes on a Plate, I'm promoting Snakes on a Plate. If that studio house changes that title, (laughs) he's definitely dead. (laughs) Monarch Airlines Python. (laughs) (laughs) Very good, very good. (laughs) But, uh, okay, so now we're talking about Snakes on a Plane. Should we do the uh, old IMDb game? Oh, okay. Sam, Sam, yeah. Samuel Jackson. Sam Jackson, yeah. We pretty much talked about Samuel Jackson. Get him out of the way. So, obviously, Samuel Jackson. So, the IMDb game, the... To see what are the t- the most Samuel Jackson's most known for in inverted quotes is that uh, most known for as in most known F O U R. No, well it could be both. I call that that's that's how I would. His do most it. known for for yeah uh, films yeah <laughs> according to IMDb and their kind of crazy algorithm. Although this one's not too. This is going to be easy this week, I think. Uh, yeah, this I week, don't know. There's, there's lots to choose from. Although actually, yeah, you're now I'm thinking about it, now I'm looking at the list. You're probably going to throw, throw out some ones where I'm going no, no, no. Because no, I've got a, I've got a feel for how these things work. Now I, I kind of I bet you Shaft is on there, for example. No, no? Bet, no. It's, it's my my complete lack of Marvel knowledge is going to hurt me, isn't it? I kind of feel I kind of feel like Martin Scorsese about those films, but you know that's just me. Um, obviously, that's just Martin. Right, yeah. so I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. It's no, no, Danny, Danny. You, you, well, obviously, it's, Pulp Fiction is going to be there. Arguably, his most right. iconic role. Like that's the one that made. Him. Like before, before that, like you were saying, he was in Goodfellas. He'd been in Do the Right Thing. He was actually 
a drug addict. Did you know that? He was a, he, he was a kind of a struggling theatre actor. Oh, in real life? Yeah, 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 in real life, yeah, yeah. Struggling theatre actor. In the 80s, he kind of fell into heroin, got cleaned up, and then had his oh, big wow. break when he was, like, late 40s Fair in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah, it was. He's pretty old now, isn't he, yeah, Sam yeah, Jam? He's, like, 65. No, but is yeah. he almost closer to 70? He must be 70s. Yeah, which, I mean, he's oh, looks pretty good, good on yeah, yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let me go. Right, so, so you've so got Pulp, Pulp Fiction, you've done. What's a good one? I reckon, I'm trying to think of the, not necessarily the most famous ones, but ones that might be on the list. So, Captain Marvel. No. Um, I will do you a favour and say there's no Marvel films on here. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Okay, that makes it easier then. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Which makes you wonder. This is why I do it because, like, how? What's what? Django Unchained. No. I was going to say that. What's the algorithm here? Like, how do how does IMDb <laughs> figure this one okay, out? Okay, right. It's obviously not most searched for because I was all the Marvel films. They won't be all Tarantino's either, though, I bet. And it's not the ones that he's the, the star Matrix. Of. Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight is on there. Yeah. So Pulp Fiction and Hateful Eight. Snakes on a Plane. Yep, snakes. Is it really? Oh my god, yeah. is that actually in there? Yeah. <laughs> Which probably got loads and loads of views around the time it was released, and yeah. then no one's thought about it ever again. Uh, so, one more Jackie Brown? Yeah, so three Tarantinos, that apparently, and Snakes on a Plane, right? That's what, that's me, that's me epitome of <laughs> Tarantino's Jackson, screw it. To be fair, how many Marvel ones is in there? Though? He could be, there's probably about like 15 well, he Marvel the films. First Avengers. Yeah, well, the yeah. The thing that's is, true. though, just Marvel films, you go and see them, and then does anyone even remember the titles or what happened? I love them? him. No, they, I, mean, I, I, I do enjoy, I enjoy the Marvel ones, but they just merge together. I love how it's got this. Well, it's like Martin Scorsese said, it's not cinema. It's theme parks, yeah. I love how you've got that catchphrase that he seems to have that sort of crosses over all of his films you know what I mean the motherfucker thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know what I mean even but in that Marvel that goes back to Pulp Fiction it does yeah, yeah. but even uh, so on Snakes of Plane we've got you know I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane <laughs> but you know that funnily enough that was also added in yeah. after the film had been finished because oh, really? when, when Snakes on a Plane I mean obviously Snakes on a Plane really took off when everyone kind of the, took that, off. that was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of the early days of Twitter and the internet where like so like kind of people kind of like stumbled across the name like Samuel L. Jackson's doing this film called Snakes on a Plane that's yeah, actually yeah, yeah, ridiculous yeah. like everyone's making jokes about it and some like it became a meme of like he better say I'm sick of these motherfucking snakes on a motherfucking plane. plane and then they hadn't put that line in the script and they were like uh, we're going to have to record him without saying <laughs> yeah. it so I had to add that in which is yeah ludicrous oh man I love it and then even in the Marvel film he goes mother f- and as he disappears into dust fairy dust uh yeah, so yeah, so Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, everything, you know, we don't need to go over his whole career, he's just iconic, isn't he? Like, Absolutely, enough said, man. man yeah. 25 he... years of this week, actually, Pop Fiction, so. Is that true? Yeah, October 94. 25 years, is that old? There's lots yeah. of good anniversaries for like pop cultural anniversaries. Oh, well, Spy Club's anniversaries well, this year. It's either going to be 1994, which is 25 years, or 1999, which the is 20 years. The Mask was 1994. Yeah, 94. Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump. God. Lion King. That was all night. I'm going to throw it out there. Films were better then yeah. than they are now. And in 1999, we've got uh, yeah, but, Fight Club, we've know, got we... American Beauty, we've got The Matrix, we've got The Sixth Sense. Sopranos came out. Sopranos yeah. came out. The Lion out. King, you know, what have we got now? The live action remake of The Lion King. Well, yeah, it's yeah. regurgitating. <laughs> yeah. oh, we have Aladdin. What have we got now? The live action remake of Aladdin. No Robin Williams. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many remakes and yeah. Yeah. But, you know, new Joker films all out, so. There we go. I found the Joker in the pack. Before we get off Samuel L. Jackson, I do want to bring up this one what one slight criticism. I mean, I always kind of get I get criticism for pointing out the criticisms that I have about these episodes. <laughs> right, right, okay. But if I have one criticism about this episode, which is a good episode, it would be that 
it doesn't it's kind of it's it, it's it as most extras episodes do it kind of splits off into two plots doesn't it the andy plot yes. and the maggie plot right and the Maggie plot, which is about her um, going out of this, well, this black guy, a fellow black actor, and... Dan. Dan. Dan, yeah. And Maggie obviously just feels kind of uncomfortable going out of... She can't get out of her mind. She's not uncomfortable with it, but she can't get out of her mind. She's kind of... It's constantly in the back of her yeah, mind, Yeah, she's kind and of... They, yeah. And they do some clever things where they kind of have the metaphor of, of the kind of... Rosa Parks. Segregation of a Rosa Parks thing in the bus. Yeah, yeah. The idea is that, obviously, Richard Bay's Merchant had some kind of... They wanted to do their racism episode, right? They did, they did their religion episode. They did their disabled episode. They wanted to tackle racism, right? And that fits in nicely with the guest star, which is Samuel L. Jackson. Right. And then next but, episode, we've got homophobia. But unfortunately, so, you know. but, but I just feel like <laughs> then the Andy thing doesn't fit in with that at all. The Andy thing, he goes off with kind of this, this yeah, no, guy, that's which true. is his own thing. So it doesn't feel, this is an episode where it touches on racism, but it's not the racism episode, you know what I mean? So I think, and maybe, it, I mean, it's not, yeah, not, no, not that's an interesting point. has to be, but for all the criticism I have of the um, Kate Winslet episode, at least it kind of it it chose its theme and it stuck to it. And yeah. like I said last week, it chose the right kind of film, the right kind of guest star, and the right kind of um, you know the so, right the right topic to fit around its theme of especially of religion, right? And then it kind of threw in a smattering of dis- disability as well. It's an but interesting one, this, yeah. This episode it kind of touches it, it kind of tackles racism for fifty percent of it, and then the other fifty percent of it it kind of doesn't. And I feel like they could have just taken it that one step further and had Andy's storyline kind of interlinked with that as well, do you know what I mean, rather than being its own separate thing. I think the thing, it's an interesting one, I think it's kind of, I'd call it an observation actually, because it does feel to me like we've had the plots switched here. So normally we've got Andy driving the A plot and Maggie driving the B plot. Yeah, yeah. But actually Andy's A plot is so inconsequential to the to the actual what actually ends up happening yeah, of yeah. significance. The only real significant event is that final scene, which is all built to through Maggie and her insecurities. Yeah, we could have done that without you know, having Indeed. Them. And and actually it's almost like Andy's the architect of that more than Maggie. Because Maggie, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, sometimes because of her naivety could probably have said that to Samuel Jackson and he might have just thought, wow, what a weirdo. Yeah. End of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But because Andy jumps in to supposedly save her or help her, yeah, yeah, he yeah, makes yeah. it so much worse. He just absolutely fucks the whole thing up for both of them. And and, and then he walks away and goes, another great day being yeah. with you. But that's yeah. it. Exactly. <laughs> that just he so didn't unaware. Need to get involved. He didn't need like... to get involved. And, and he definitely, did, but I don't know, part of me thinks, oh, he's doing it out of kindness to help his friend, but he definitely, definitely made that worse than it had to be. Yeah. I think, Do you know what I mean? I think this is a good moment to segue into, always knew you were Brent, because that moment when he just finds himself saying that to Samuel L. Jackson, you can see the look on his face as he realises he's saying it all wrong and he's going to say it. That is pure David Brent. I love this last scene. I know that he's not in it loads, but this thing of Samuel L. Jackson, it just escalates so brilliantly in this conversation. The way that she's trying to half getting away with it, saying The Matrix is a great film, and then like as soon as she goes, oh, you were great in it, by the way, and he's like, ah. And he's actually not that angry, though, but it's when when he jumps in, it's when... and he jumps in and tries to defend her in pure David Brent style. That's when it all just the <laughs> shit hits the fan, and he's all oh, they're both off the set. Well, it's like yeah. what we said before: is that Maggie just exudes innocence, doesn't she? Naivety, and I think the, the Samuel Jackson character kind of can see that. Yeah, she you can't just be kind of, angry yeah, at Maggie. She's obviously could just kind of put her foot in it, and you know Samuel Jackson probably had to do that all the time, which he has in real life. Yeah, that, that happened. There, there was that news that anchor. Happened. Which we get that clip for? Yeah, there was that news anchor that said David was stuck in for something. That was a news anchor. That was a news anchor, though. Yeah, and I think he was kind of he was just obviously kind of like trying to deliberately make him more uncomfortable than. Yeah, no, yeah. He was jokingly angry. I think he kind of. I mean, he was probably. 
probably frustrating. He must have just I been thinking think of extras, extras though, because it was after extras was made, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I can't imagine Samuel Jackson's ever thought about extras ever again in his whole life. <laughs> he probably doesn't remember he did it. <laughs> it's funny though, I wonder how... He doesn't seem like the kind of person that would obviously be a fan of UK comedy in, in like The Office, for example. But he, he clearly is. Yeah, he must I mean, be. Cause they, especially in the first ep- series, they only approached people who had publicly said. Although based on his portfolio, you could assume he does everything you sent potentially as well. There is always that chance as well. Yeah. Maybe we should drop him an email to come on as a guest, yeah. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. <laughs> but the other reason I think Andy is so quick to try and jump to Andy's, you know, uh, sorry, to Maggie's defense in inverted commas mm. is kind of he probably feels a bit, a bit guilty about this because he's been teasing her right this whole episode he's, yeah, he's been sort of winding he's, around he's stoking the flames and yeah, yeah exactly the idea that you could be racist and not know it yeah. is kind of something oh, he is, is something he pushes at her a little bit yeah and he does that little quiz at the end you know quiz with her yeah, do not make fun of the but, native language of Digi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a thing now obviously we're all aware of called unconscious bias right oh. and this is something that's been perpetuated a lot in the media yeah. it's something that Harry sort of started talking about right and I looked this up and there is actually a genuine Test the racist test, right? It's called Project Implicit, and it's a study by you Harvard it, University. You give it to me, Danny. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. No, oh, I can do actually. I've got it. I'm going to have a hate. Get it, get it, get it. I'm going to have a hate rating one higher than Hitler. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just find that hilarious. Like this was obviously a, a joke. Yeah. At the time. But and now there is though, because they even then they knew that's the way the wind was blowing. Oh, can't, yeah. but you know, be careful what you say now, guys. You, you know, can't, I suppose can't say that the question nowadays. is, while well, 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 James, James looks up the racism test, I suppose the question <laughs> We're not going to do a racism test on this I podcast. Mean, we are tra- trading on dangerous ground here because we are just free middle class white guys. Yeah, no, but we are. But, I am laughing at the fact that it's. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's ignorance. No, 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 well, no, because what I was going to say is, I suppose the question is whether or not, there is obviously, yeah, unconscious bias. Totally agree with that. You can't really deny that. But. Whether or not it's like, for example, what Maggie was doing in this episode isn't racism. No. It was more just a struggling to um, approach a a kind of... She barely even noticed. A struggling to approach a white hot topic in a way that she she thought was socially acceptable. Oh my God. (laughs) In a way that she thought was socially acceptable, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think what what she was doing was, was racist, even though she was kind of, you know... Yeah. Bringing up her gollywog, which she called Sambo, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Who's the Prime Minister of Great Britain? Tony Blair. Correct. Who is the Prime Minister of Namibia? I don't know. You knew the white one? Okay. Oh dear. Who is the Queen of England? Queen Elizabeth II. Correct. Who is the President of Djibouti? This scene with the racism test is is brilliant. Like it's so, it, but there is some classic comedy scenes in this. So with Steve Spears is with the Dullard's descriptions of his of his uncle and his mates. Absolutely, yeah. And then the racism test is just brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, the racism test. It just it kind of it's it's a bit of a flashback to at the time where it, it, how Ricky was on the radio. It really reminds me of like kind yeah, of conversation yes, he would have yeah, on the radio yeah, when he goes, "Oh, now he's breaking and entering as well." But you know what I mean? It's absolutely, <laughs> and it's very exactly. Much, uh, kind of, it very much has that Ricky and Carl dynamic from the radio. Yeah, like just winding up Maggie and. Yeah, but I mean, she's sort of paranoid and gets even more paranoid that she could be a racist and, and wouldn't know it. And like yeah. I said, that's kind of a, I don't know. At the time, it sounds absurd, and she's obviously crazy for doing it. But like I said, it's quite a popular thing now. The idea that there's a sort of subconscious bias around society where people, yeah, maybe I don't know. It's a weird one, and it's kind of how again extras is sort of catching up with us a little bit. I mean, 
there is this there is there is a school of thought that anyone who is who anyone who isn't a black or ethnic minority person is just is like they just have that undercurrent of if not racism unconscious bias like yeah you just can't not even if you're aware of it you can't not get away with it i'm not aware of it i don't know enough about it maybe we should just (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna leave that i'm not aware of unconscious bias all i'm gonna ask you is i'm gonna ask you is how would you feel, you know, if OJ Simpson was at your home? What would you say to him? <laughs> uh, That's uh, not the question, though, is it? <laughs> is that, yeah, exactly. Is that what, <laughs> who would you rather, who would you rather did and have waited for you to get home? Johnny Depp or OJ Simpson? Uh, <laughs> well, neither, actually. They're yeah, both that'd be domestic abusers. Yeah, who would you rather have waited for you? Jennifer Aniston or no? Uh, hang on, hang on. Jennifer Aniston uh, or Morris Stewart. Yeah, Morris Stewart. <laughs> Oh, well, Morris Stewart should be dishing out the drugs, wouldn't she? So, <laughs> so you know the scene where um, Maggie and uh, Dan go back to her place, yeah, and they're making out again, and it's sort of another one of those scenes we've had before where Maggie's sort of almost, almost there with this with a guy and sort of doing things are going really well, and then something causes a problem. I don't get this in many shows, but when she stands up and walks over, mm. every time I wish, I'm just hope that this will be the time that he doesn't notice. Yeah, yeah do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's absurd how sometimes it's, like, it's like with David it's such a weird I, thing. I watched The Office, and I'm just like, this time. Don't do the dubs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it lets me down every time. <laughs> it's weird how like I'm never conscious of thinking that until I think it. Yeah. But it just seems to catch me every yeah, time. No, yeah, on that I, scene. I, I, it's I weird. Mean. And can I make a confession? All right, now here, guys. I probably shouldn't make a misconfession. I have a gollywog. Yeah, I have one as well. <laughs> do you have one? <laughs> I know. I have I, one in my I room. I think I had one when I was a kid, yeah. but like, I got rid of it immediately. No, when, no, I uh, when I saw this ex- episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a black man, and I was trying to get off with a black man. No, I think my parents just kept all of our sentimental like, stuff toys. But yeah, my my grandma bought a Gollywog sewing kit for me and my brothers when we were younger and made us each one. So it's somewhere <laughs> floating around my parents' house. There's four Gollywogs. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a Gollywog, James. I had you, one when I was. You, I think you still got a Golly one. No, I haven't still got one now. I have one in my room going up. Golly toy, golly toy. This is is unconscious bias in action because clearly there's something about white people from our generation who just... I think it's fairly well accepted that minstrels and all of the golly toys are, are, are offensive, genuinely. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Do you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, it's fairly well documented, course, yeah. so I don't think it's unjustified sort of nervousness from Danny and my part. you just showing off. Yeah. <laughs> You don't, no, you don't no. have to bring it with you now, Jack. I'll <laughs> put it in the front of your car. <laughs> I just think it's interesting. And I thought it was interesting at the time. But I think... No, it, actually, maybe it was. Maybe it was the first time that I realised that there was this kind of... Because when I was a kid, it didn't even strike me that it was anything to do with black people. It was no, just, when you're a kid, you don't even it's know. It's just though. a toy. And, but then, and it might even... It's a toy, be, if anything. <laughs> It's a golly toy. It's just a golly toy. And yeah, put, it on, put it on properly. <laughs> and I possibly was even this... this. Ep- I mean, I think as I then grew up, I realised it was kind of... There was racist undertones yeah. to it. But I think it was this... Watching this episode of Extras where I realised, oh, this is actually something that could offend people. The bit that, that shouldn't be on display. The bit, when the bit when Maggie says to him, you know, he says, I think the black thing's getting in the way here. Yeah. And he's, to be fair, really cool he's, and reasonable he's, he's, about he's, it. Yeah, very reasonable. And she says, that's not a problem at all. I hardly even notice. <laughs> like, yeah. as, though, as though he's got, like, he's an amputee or something. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But uh, again, I, I don't know. It's obviously a caricature of how some people act and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and how, yeah. you know, the insecurity is bubbling away. And what happens if your friends kind of wind you up about it and make it even worse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, it, um, well, I mean, it's like, to a less socially harmful degree it's like with the guy the, the big the big clumpy foot guy yeah. from episode one 
Yeah, where she he it was just she's not she, racist. It's scene, not a big deal a to her in at her all. Head and she wouldn't, but, but left to her own devices, she wouldn't have even. Yes. it wouldn't have it's even. It's just Andy. Of, it wouldn't have even. Andy winding her up. But Andy winding her up, yeah, it completely kind of got her, and that's 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 what happens. Yeah, you can keep it on, in check, but then when you're kind of like you know when, when the wrong element, when a nasty little element gets into you, <laughs> yeah, yes, but then uh, you know it, it, it flowers into this, yeah. To be fair, like Andy didn't put that golly walk in her room. She did have it, and she did think she did not think to remove it. Before but it's also one of those around. things. That if she hadn't touched it, he wouldn't have noticed it. Can I and go... he wouldn't have, and he probably wouldn't have brought it up either, because he's like, like uh, Oliver from The Office. Mm. He's very reasonable. Like he kind of, you get the impression that he's someone who's just kind of he's had this before. He's just a normal guy, and honestly, I, I don't think that it's on. I don't think he's even. He's not looking for conflict. In yeah, his life. he's just so seeing in, a nice in, girl who's in, in she's the, having problems with and, it. And in the so in the times, yeah, when he's going through his life, and as probably happens to him quite a lot, that he gets people kind of acting, overcompensating. Acting, overcompensating, yeah. Then he kind of it kind of deals with it reasonably and kind of can see that for what it is, mm. whether or not he should have to deal put up with that or not. He's kind of he acts reasonably about it, but and I don't think that had he seen it. He would have even mentioned it. I think that if you're in that position, you can very quickly and easily see the difference between someone who's genuinely racist yeah. and someone who's well, just so. who, and someone who just can't who just puts their foot in their mouth. Again, I mean? we're talking as people that haven't ever had to deal with. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. Haven't ever had to be on the other side of it. But yeah, you would hope. Yeah. That, for our sakes, <laughs> yeah. anyone listening Fingers to crossed. this. <laughs> Hello there. One scene I wanted to make sure we talk about right yeah. was the graveyard. Oh, oh yeah, that's so, probably the funniest thing. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even pronounce that. Malivovich. Is that how you say it? Malivovich. Malivovich. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, you can tell the thing is, for the moment he stands alongside him as he walks in, he knows he's being mugged off, Stu Spears. He knows it's a lie. He knows his mum's not buried in there. He, and he knows it. He <laughs> so knows hang on, I don't think he does. No, he does. So do you think that's why he's following him in then, to kind of like draw it out? No, I don't think so. No, he does. Watch the dialogue carefully. He says to him, all right. He says you haven't got any flowers. He's lost. He goes, well, "That's handy, isn't it?" This graveyard being right next to where you work. He's mega suspicious. I think again, that's just, com- that's just comedy of escalation, though. That's that's not Steve's. That's no, not the I dullard, think he knows. That's not the dullard character thinking I'm going to kind of. I'm, <coughs> he knows. I'm, he knows. I'm doing a stakeout here. I'm going to kind of draw it out of him. I think that's just that's that's for, what... for for comedy effect. That's him kind of obliviously mentioning all the all the clues that he should be noticing, but he's not until he then eventually. Oh, I disagree. I, I think you're right. Yeah. In terms of in real life, it would be obvious, and you would know. But I don't think in this he gives you any clues that he does know. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, if they meant for him to until he just calls him out. Exactly. Yeah. So I think if if it was supposed to be that way, you'd have clues. Mm. Like you'd even have like a slight sideways look, or the camera would go in on his face. Mm. The fact that you don't get any of that suggests to me that it's supposed to be an innocence. And actually, the tone of his voice and the way he sort of asks these innocent questions mm. does kind of just. I don't know. It, I don't think he knew. But the question is, why did I, I mean Andy at one point has the opportunity to diffuse it and say, no, I don't really don't want you to come in. And he just goes, why not? Come on. And then they go in together. I think he kind of gives up on getting rid of him. Maybe yeah. he's like, I don't know. I feel for him. It's like, you know what I mean? If you're a middle-aged man, how yeah? How do you make new friends? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you're just stuck with the people you've known since you were 25 <laughs> the rest of your life. You yeah, know, welcome to hence, my world. Hence me being stuck. Hence me being <laughs> in with you guys. You should have just made more podcasts. Again, it's very, it's very, it's very Brentish, isn't it? Because I mean, from an outside yeah. perspective, you say, just, just take your foot off the gas a little bit. Just don't be so needy, like, yeah. and you will kind of, and people will come to you. Just you know, if you're that lonely, just. Hang out at the pub and make small talk with people. Don't just go straight up up to people and say, 
let's go out for a night in the town, come round to my house and watch a beer of Drake. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's not the way, yeah, that's I not know. The way to make it. I things. know, it's completely weird, but I do think this episode, like, when you when you look at how, like, questioning is outside, he's saying, oh, you know, that's convenient, your mum being here, you haven't got any flowers, and then, like, when they're standing at the grave, the interrogation starts straight away. Yeah. He doesn't just... It's not normal, is it? You know, you think someone's... You think... If you think that's his mum's grave, you would not risk being the way he is in that graveyard. You wouldn't risk it. But it's like... He, it's because he knows it's bullshit. But I think this is you, Danny, maybe being kind of um, deliberately... Not deliberately, being oblivious to... <laughs> the, because, You're okay. saying I'm duller, basically. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, what, that's where what, this is going. What, no, what I'm trying to say is because you often have a go at the Ian McKellen episode, don't you, and say, hey, yeah. it's not like the other episodes, it's too heightened, it's too stupid, it's too farcical, it's too yeah. sick on me. But so you're and so you're now making excuses for mm. what is also a farcical, over the top, heightened sitcomy premise, oh, which is this man who's so unrealistically oblivious to all the clues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's kind of, and so that's why I kind of don't have a problem with the Ian McKellen episode because I think they're all on a kind of the same level, total okay. level. So uh, what? Whereas what... you're you're kind of making excuses to try and make this one more realistic than it is. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, but like, okay, at what point do you think he realizes it's bullshit? Do you think it's, it's when he when he finds out that he's sixty years old? Pretty much, mum. I think I think it, it, it starts to mound up, and then I think pretty much just before he calls him out on it is when he. Yeah, I mean it's just about I, possible. I certainly don't think it, it, he thinks it at first. It is just about possible to have a baby at sixty. It's been done, hasn't it? <laughs> then Mick Jagger's on oh, no, from a girl's perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in fact, no, yeah. You just remind me. The, the, I think the, it's the, the, the record. He, the moment he realizes is when he says, "So how old's your dad?" And Andy goes, "Hundred." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, he's, he's doing well though. Yeah. His, dad, his dad could have been younger, like just because his mum was that. And his dad would have been forty years just older than his mum as well. <laughs> no, he's, no, no. Actually, he got that back right because is this was two thousand and five. Yeah, his dad would have been a toy boy to Miss Leibovitz <laughs> by twelve years. No, but his dad could. No. Like, if his yeah, yeah, eighteen ninety three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineteen oh five. Yeah, all right, all right. All right. But if, if his mum had had him at sixty two, there's nothing to say his dad himself. wasn't twenty. Do you know what I mean? Like his dad didn't need to. He, it would have been. Uh, his dad could have. Yeah. His dad could have been very, very. His dad could have been much younger than. So his mom. imaginary mum and her imagine, his imaginary toy boy dad. Yeah, the extremely toy boy dad. Yeah, they could have been a sixty-year-old and a thirty-year-old. You know what I mean? So hang on, yeah. I've, I've just put That's this. Why he didn't need to say a hundred. But either way, this scene is fantastic, right? Because not only does he sort of follow them into this grave, sort of bouncing along behind them, and mm. Andy's clearly despairing about it, but it's just got such a brilliant kind of rhythm in the way that this builds. Mm. It kind of yeah. comes back to what you said at the beginning. It kind of just layers these very slight lies that could could be kind of half true at the beginning. It is plausible that they yeah. were visiting a grave, right? Possibly. Right next to the right? studio, but it's, that happens to be worse. Yeah, it's still possible. It's still possible, right? Yeah, no, I know, I know. And then it just gets slightly more yeah, unrealistic. Maggie kills <laughs> it. Maggie kills it by picking that grave. Yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, she, she goes, that grave. You know, they could have just looked at the names and the dates <laughs> yeah. and just found a plausible imaginary mum for him. No, they had to pick my leave of it. You just know that Andy probably was having a little glance. He would, If he'd left it on, yeah, yeah. Andy would have chosen the right one. It's yeah. like with the, in series two with the makeup girl. Yes, where, absolutely. Where kind of, Andy had it in hand. He would have, you know, he would have figured it out. He made, he made an excuse, yeah. an excuse to go out and find a pen, but Maggie ruins it for him. It's funny how they, they, they both fuck each other's lives up equally. Ooh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, she messes stuff up for him, but he is the root of a lot of her problems as well. But he does it almost deliberately. He's a bit more... Uh, no, but the thing with Sam Jackson in the end of this one, he doesn't. He blatantly made that worse. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but she, I thought she, he meant planting the seeds of, like... Oh, no, 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 not in a malicious way. I don't think he's trying to be nasty about stuff like that. But he... And he does defend her a lot of the time, but it just makes it worse. Like, the thing with... Even with Ben Stiller in the first episode, she said, Ben, that's a bit much. She probably could have taken a lick in and, and kept on ticking in that episode, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But instead, she gets fucking kicked 
upset because he starts making jokes about yeah. um, Starsky and Hutch and then again in this one. Yeah. But I think that's but that's that those elements are there to kind of make sure that we know they're particularly in episodes actually now I think about it where Andy has been a bit of a prick throughout the episode and they end it with but he defends Maggie yeah he's, that's he kind of his re, re, uh, yeah. like redemption almost. but he's manipulative of manipulative of Goran in the first episode he's pretty much an arsehole to the dullard in this episode yes. but what it comes back to is he's redeemable because yeah, he is friends with Maggie he's sweet to Maggie yes. he defends Maggie yeah. but he ruins things with the best intentions which is yeah. a, which yeah. is very familiar from what we see from Maggie that's yeah. like literally what she does as well <coughs> so they're, they're a lot more alike than you might think Yeah. do you know what I mean Cause you I mean it's the classic comedy thing though. the whole point of comedy is the 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 hit the, the the protagonist in comedy can't win like no matter what, they can they can get close to winning then it's got a bit pulled back think about Frasier think about mm. you know um, well Kirby yeah Vita. I was gonna say Sam Seinfeld on that yeah. yeah yeah and it happens with extras as well like he's about to get his line you know he's about to twice in the Stiller episode and in this episode mm. but it's just kind of pulled off pulled away from him I do like I said before you know there isn't an agent scene in this one I kind of feel like if there was how might that have played out you know because. One person I would quite like to have seen Dullard interact with would have been well, well, Barry. Oh yes, yeah. yeah Could yeah, you imagine yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, 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 the spiral of misery <laughs> that would have come from the Dullard and the, and and, yeah. uh, and Sean and Barry? Sorry, meeting one another. It would have just been amazing because you could imagine Barry might have started talking about how you know this and that, and then he ends up talking about how he sleeps in his car, and then do you know what I mean? He could just it. It's a race to the bottom with those or two. Or imagine the agent finding out that Andy's got this line so turning up on set on the day to see him to see his, to see his client deliver yeah, that line yeah, yeah. he interacts with Samuel L. Jackson yeah there's a lot of potential there but again it's an interesting one because you said I think before that you, you know he, agent's in every single episode but obviously this one he's not yeah I just I but, forgot this one yeah. but it's kind of a weird choice why wouldn't he be is it just the fact that they started shooting so early but they would have already written them by then anyway. It's I suppose irrelevant. maybe they just didn't think about it is that the agent had to be in every single scene. But he's in every single episode other than this one and the first one. So, so, that, there's... so he's not in every... But, but, no, no, I get that. But... If, he, if he was only not in one episode, then that would be like he's in every single episode except for one. But because he's now... He's, he's in four out of six, so that's kind of... I think that what we talked about it though, the reason he wasn't in the first episode is because it would have been in the absence of an introduction. Mm. Yeah. I do remember so reading. this is a conscious thing because we've already had the introduction do yeah, you know what I mean yeah, I, think, yeah. I remember reading after series 1 finished that um, they wanted to include a lot more of the agent in series 2 because yeah, they felt realized... they felt they'd underused well, yeah. yeah. like, I was demonstrating a funny character it's not until it's all filmed and edited and put together that you realise that's gold that's the like, bit of it yeah, yeah. No, I mean it true. happens all the time with TV shows where suddenly someone in series 2 gets a big old push because they've realised how popular they are and how good they are on camera yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they did probably well, they underutilized them in this series, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but they, yeah, I don't know. He, it is hard to think about how they would have fit him in. I mean, I, I guess sometimes he's not, when he, he's not he doing anything, that's the problem. He's not doing anything for Andy, so he's not as important to the storyline. Whereas in series two, you know, when Andy actually gets successful, he's all over it. I guess the um, if you're gonna kind of try and figure it, think about it in a way that maybe Gervais Merchant did it deliberately, which I don't think they probably did. But he he's not in the two episodes where he kind of where Andy architects his own success. He gets himself the line, or someone else gets him the line for him. Do you know what I mean? Like when the agent's in it, it's when the agent is kind of deliberately or not getting him a little bit of a career push, getting him the, the pantomime. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he's got something to for him to get out of it himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas whereas in the Ben Stiller episode and Samuel Jackson episode, which the agent isn't in. 
that's when Andy gets himself blind, or someone else gives him. That's true. He, so he doesn't need the agency. And he probably doesn't want to want, want uh, Lamb to know that he's got a line either. Yeah, to maybe, be honest, yeah, that's yeah. another part of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder if Lamb takes a cut because if he takes a if he takes a cut of uh, Barry's uh, um, what's it called guttering. If he takes his twenty percent of that, he I wonder if he takes. He can get, <laughs> I, sure. I wonder if he takes Andy's twenty percent of his extras work, even though that's clearly nothing to do with the agent. <laughs> oh and yeah, trust me, the the the, the extras agency he signed up with would be taking their twenty five percent. But anyway, the the, the, the climax of this scene is that obviously he finally agrees to go out for a meal. Yeah. Right. He says, "Oh, you're going to go out for a meal. Yeah, we're going to go out sleep. tonight." Right. So they go out for their meal and. It's got the the final scene on that one is when he sort of does the we will rock you piece and he offers him those tickets, yeah. and then a little bit of a something that's a little bit out of place in terms of the, the tone of the show for me is when he puts his face in the soup. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, obviously it's in one take because he's completely fresh beforehand. Yeah, and he goes in blah 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 blah, and the button on it is quite funny that he puts salt or pepper in yeah, and then yeah, does it yeah. again. If it hadn't been for the salt and pepper, it might have been a bit of a weird one. Yeah, that that bit that kind of climax to that scene that punchline is always sat wrong with not sat wrong with me but like it's kind of sat oddly with me i think it's more that they kind of didn't really know where to go with like how do you end that story do you know what i mean like, how do you yeah like, where, where do you go with it how do you kind of how do you kind of yeah build it, to the ending of that like they did they had nowhere to go so they hit a wall and just thought right okay have him slam his face well it's desperation it. isn't it it's literally it's it's sort of it, it epitomizes <laughs> and how andy can't do and there's literally no way out yeah he, he can't reason with this guy he yeah. politeness will get him nowhere yeah do you know what I mean? So he, 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 he hasn't tried very hard at politeness, really. Well, he has. has he? No, that's what I'm saying. He has. <laughs> he, he kind of has. He yeah. has. If he wasn't, he, he would have just said, "Fuck off," or, or you know, "I'm done." Or pull Larry David. Larry David would have gone out of this that. in two we, seconds. He's done yeah. that with his little butling speech but, earlier, but the guy keeps coming back. No, because he keeps letting him back. That's what I'm saying. It's this. It's the British DNA in this guy that won't just say go away. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, problem, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like the, if Larry David was English. If he came over, Larry David, and was having this conversation, he would just say, "I'm really sorry. You're not my kind of guy. I don't really respect you." He would. He, he laid it all on the line. If a guy was like, "Oh, take me out of town," he'd go, "Take you out of a town? What are you talking about?" You know, about? you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, it he would have straight away. Yeah. He would have put it to bed immediately, <laughs> right? But the fact that Andy can't do that because he kind of he just he just can't bear him to do it. He would rather add him to a list of people that he's going to ignore for the rest of his whole life yeah, than just hard, say it like hard, it is. It's a person that will follow him to his imaginary mum's grave. <laughs> yeah, but... He, you know what I mean? But that's, the, but that's my <laughs> point, is that he's he's, he's 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 gotten... He's tried to avoid it as best he knows how. He's realised there's literally no way because this guy is able to kind of manipulate polite society effectively. Yeah. Right? And so the only thing he can think of at his wit's end is to just plunge his face into his soup, just leave the guy speechless and, and walk out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's literally the last last resort. A, a few minutes earlier, he's so self-conscious that he has to he has to tell those women that he's out shagging regular as <laughs> yeah. in case they think he's gay for going out with another middle-aged man. But even the way he describes his children, the dullard, you know what I mean? He says yeah. like, oh, you know, he's like, oh, that's Sarah and that's Louise or whatever well, it is. And... What is it? Louise and Karen. Well, that's given away, but we've already done the quiz. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's Louise and Karen, and yeah. then uh, you know, straight away, I haven't seen her for six months. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like again, three months. Louise thirteen and Karen ten. <laughs> Danny's consulting his notes over there. Yeah, yeah. He can't even, yeah, he can't even talk about his family about it, kind of getting depressed. But there's one thing that you can always guarantee a kind of, ah, it's showing someone pictures of your kids. Yeah, but you know, he's never going to care about that. One. But he did, he goes, ah. Yeah, it's, obli- it's ob- obligatory. Ah, yeah, right. But if if Andy had if if the Dullard had kept on going on and on about his kids, then Andy would have reacted the same way as he did about but, him going on about everything. Yeah, but, I mean, but it's such a middle of the road thing to just go ah, yeah, leave but it. But that done. hits him. Though, <laughs> done. Because, because like he looks at the guy, he's thinking to himself, this guy's a pathetic loser. Oh, and that's but he still managed to reproduce. He still managed to have a wife. 
and Andy's not done any of that, has he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's he true. He lost his virginity at 28 to a woman looked like Robbie Corbett. Well, that's what, and, but that's what Andy says, though. He says, like, I'm lower on the chain. Yes, he is low on the chain. Yeah. And that's so, hilarious, that speech. I just love that bit when he just breaks into it, it and he goes, oh, I can't do this because I'm actually depressed, mate. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I watched it and I was actually depressed. Really? It it I don't depressing. think it's... Is it no, depressing? It is depressing. And then he goes, then he's moaning to Maggie in the next scene. Like, when's it going to be okay? I'm 43. And it is. It's just like this middle-aged man who's like, you know, thinks this other middle-aged man's a loser then realises he's the loser. Well, That's the, the thing, worst like, thing about it's, it. It's kind of almost like, yeah, Andy kind it's of... because horrible. Because he's got his... Grim. He, he's got his mate Maggie. He's got his extras work he does. He's got this script he's obviously working on or he's, he's, he's trying to mm. plug. He kind of doesn't... He obviously keeps himself busy, doesn't he? So he doesn't stop to kind of consider his kind of where he is in his life. And, it's not, he, and it's not until you get the feeling that it's not until we kind of confronted this. It's really uh, interesting. I hadn't even considered it as a depressing take no. on a person. And I guess it's kind of. He says, I'm depressed. Yeah, I know he does. But I kind of. it's He's depressed. I assumed he's depressed having spoken to this guy. And it's, again, it's another way no. of getting yeah, out no, of the conversation. Think, I'm not trying to say Andy's got No, no, no. Of course not. But, but, oh, but, but, I think he has. But, but my, I guess what I'm saying is, I kind of. Because he's a prickly character right and someone who actually you're not really supposed to have a great deal of empathy yeah. for I kind of didn't really look at him through that lens and I've just no, kind of a sad, thought oh man. he's a bit of an ass and all this kind of stuff and it's a bit like actually when David Brent had his first episode yeah. of series 2 and he hits into a wall and has that sort of yeah. washes over him and he has yeah, to sort yeah. of self-realise a little bit I guess that's I didn't really think about it but yeah I guess it is kind of depressing he kind he's found of... a Joaquin, Fe- found a Joaquin Phoenix joker in the pack himself <laughs> Good night. Because he, yeah, <laughs> he does. Yeah. I remember watch, watching it back for for the purposes of, of doing this episode of the podcast. I did. It did kind of make me wish, almost wish that this had been split into two episodes, and they'd, and they'd done an episode that solely focused on their their kind of their thoughts on racism, and then an episode that could have solely focused on this idea of kind of middle-aged depression and loneliness, do you know what I mean? Because that's an interesting topic but no one really goes into it. Well, I don't and, know. And, I... And, and, and it was there. It was, it was, it's almost there. It's, it's 10 minutes of the 20-minute episode. I think that the, the trouble is, if you go too deep into any of these things, it could become a bit like an after-school special. That's that was kind of my thing. No, but they can do I like it the way, fact like that the way it's... they did religion. But that, I mean? they we, did... we were saying that that wasn't a great episode because of that. Do you know what I mean? I feel like they, they, they're yeah. better when they are alongside the rest of the, yeah, but of I the think, good stuff. I think you know that's what I mean? And I know people didn't like this, but I was saying this, but I I think it didn't work in the Kate Winslet episode because he felt so strongly about his topic that he got preachy. Because there's, there's scenes in the Kate Winslet episode with the, where they're tackling religion. The last scene where they're at the prayer meeting, brilliant, right? Because he's not getting preachy about it. Mm. He's, he's, Andy Millman, the character of Andy Millman, isn't just a mouthpiece for Ricky Gervais's thoughts on the subject, which is what happens in that Kate Winslet episode. But yeah. So I think if you tackle it in the right way, if they'd had an episode that was just about racism, right? And, and, and the theme of that, no matter how loose... And then they had an episode that was about the theme of, um, yeah, kind of this middle-aged loneliness and depression, no matter how loose. But the thing is, I'm not thinking you have Because they're to... almost there on both... I mean... But, 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 but I'm, I, what I guess I'm saying is that it, the, 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 the gold isn't necessary in the deep, big subjects. Mm. I, the thing I love about this episode is that it's the... It's the minutiae of the social conventions that are being challenged. It's the fact that when someone does you a favour and offers you for a drink, you just can't say no. You just can't yeah, 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 weasel yeah. the way out of it, mm. try as you might. And that's kind of more real to me than some of this stuff. I mean, I should I, say that the only, the, reason, the only reason I'm thinking about this now is because we've decided to, to do a deep dive analysis of it. Like, when I, when I, before we decided to do this podcast, whenever I watch these episodes, I wouldn't think about it in this way at all. I'd just go, but, that's funny. This yeah, is, and that's the thing. Laughing, and that's right? why I'm trying to sort of recognise that and almost say yeah, yeah. that these are... C plots, if you like yeah. these 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 taboos. They're not the the, the anchor or the the point of the episode. Really anyway. I guess <laughs> anyone is. I guess I just suppose that structurally, uh, the 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 
but I don't see any kind of correlation of how how the kind of the two themes meet with racism and loneliness and depression. They but don't. That's, they that's the brilliant they thing. Don't, they, don't explore, together. they don't, but they don't have like, to. They're just separate themes being explored in one episode. Well, yeah, no, but, and, yeah, exactly, and it's been yes, touched yeah. on before. I mean, let's be honest, David Brent, you know, the existential angst of a middle-aged man that doesn't have a wife or kids or anything... David Brent, yeah, and again Andy Millman. That's where the characters have similarities, and even Les Dennis as well. Yeah, the last episode, he was he was um. So I do think this is definitely a recurring theme in in Richard Gervais's work generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he covers that a lot. Lonely men. Yeah, it's one of his things. Yeah, yeah. And that's half, that's it's quite, half of his fan, fan base as well. Exactly. It's a third of his fan base in this room, <laughs> to be fair. Naming, naming no names. I'm low on the, fucking, I'm low on the food chain in James. Yeah. Actually, that makes me feel... Uh, lucky, I should think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky. <laughs> We should we should end this episode by saying it was it's a good episode. Like, it's a fantastic episode. We, we, it's one of my favourites. Yeah, did, yeah, me too. We did we did get some criticism, feedback from the uh, Kate Winslet episode saying that we kind of maybe kind of did a bit of a disservice. We were a bit unfair on Gervais and Merchant in that episode and the way they tackled mm. these subjects. And that's going to happen when you do a deep dive. We're talking for an hour, an hour and a half about these episodes. We got we're going to analyse them, right? So you're kind of yeah, gonna, yeah. you're going to think about them in an overly and analytical way. We're not saying that. Whenever we criticise these episodes, we're not saying that we we think this when we're just watching it to enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Like Jack, Jack, I've told you, there's a special filing cabinet for complaints about the podcast. <laughs> it's called the Waste Paper Basket. <laughs> no, seriously, can you pass that back? We need to address that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so My, a, a, anyone who doesn't like the fact that we kind of maybe kind of get a bit critical of these things, it's only because... Yeah. Get out now. Yeah. Sa- save us all a bit of time. If you're going to analyse a 20-minute episode for half, for an hour... You're gonna have. You're gonna kind of. You're gonna overthink things. That's what we do. Yeah, it's true. I mean that that person. You know the people who complain. They said we're never going to enjoy the podcast again. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think they ever did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't ask me any more questions. Okay, it's that part of the episode we all look forward to every week. The quiz. <laughs> now, James has already won it for the series. No, so no, no, no. I've won three. You've won three. Oh, so hang on. Yeah, you're right. But with Seth not being here, Seth not being be here, up. yeah, you pretty much won it for the series. Well, how many did Seth win then? One. One. Yeah, so, so it's three, three one so one. far. Oh, yeah, and I've won none. Yeah, so yeah, James <laughs> has won it. But, you know, playing, playing for Prime because it's fun. You know, it's not all about the winning no. and the gold. <laughs> Medal and the prize that we don't have. I wonder have how many of the people are listening actually play along, like in their heads. Yeah. Shout out the answers. Yeah. Probably no, no they're probably all turned off by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're, probably, they're probably just sat there Googling it. But yeah, if any of you are still listening, <laughs> here comes the quiz. All right, let's do it. So, first things first, the buzzers. Mr. James Emblo, what is your buzzer this week? Have <laughs> <laughs> a joke in the pack there. Well, not even that, it's just literally his laugh. Hang on, let me play again. Hang on. That's the bit Emblo. <laughs> <laughs> it's ludicrous. Okay, and next, Mr. Jack Kendall. That is not your mother's grave. Oh, well called there. Okay. So, we re- so we're leaning pretty heavily on the. Uh, we're leaning Steve, pretty heavily on Steve, Steve Spears, Spears but in, it, as we've just discussed, in such a Steve Spears dominated episode, how could we do anything else? Okay, right. So, without further ado, here's the questions. Question okay. number one. Okay. For three points. Oh, God, here we go. Three no, points. No, Straight away, the question one. No, no, sorry. Question number one, for one point. <laughs> carried away. Okay, I might have actually given you a bit of a clue there. How many years of drama school did Dan do? James. Three. Three years, yes. I wouldn't have necessarily known that. Had you <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. okay, that was a bit of a full start, but yeah, James gets the point anyway. So, question number two. 
What football team does Pete Shepherd support? Chelsea. Oh. Correct. Correct indeed. And this isn't for a point, but what team is um, Mr. Dallas supporting? Not for a point, but Arsenal. what we know. Spurs. Spurs. Oh. Correct. That's a rubbish yeah. accent. Yeah. All right. Okay, right. Question number three. Um, what new DVD does Dallas invite Annie Milman over to watch? Oh, it's just turned up. What is it, it's Jack? Vera Drake. Correct. Yeah, that's not. There's no. There's no. Uh, honor, there's no honour in getting that one. Obscure <laughs> yeah, yeah. Question number four. To one decimal place, what's Maggie's hate rating in Andy's race quiz? You get half a point. Yeah, Jack. Nine point eight. Is not your mother's grave. Correct. <laughs> so it's two all now. Two all. These keep turning off. Yeah. Um, there we go. Maybe because yeah. there we go. Yeah. Okay. Question number five. This is a two-pointer. I want what year did Becky Leibovitz die and at what age? That is not your mother's grave. It's not his mother's grave, but what year does his fake mother die? I know, by the way. 1953. Yep. And so she would have been... 65. No. Okay. 60. 60. 60. Oh, been 60. 60. Okay. It was funny so you how you get... said 60 and then there was a massive pause between yeah. five. <laughs> and I'm just waiting here with bated breath. I don't know why I care one, so much about it. You got one point. So, yeah, I mean, thinking about it, even Annie Milman, like 65, he wouldn't even have tried, surely. 60's pushing it. <laughs> that was so tense when you said yeah, 60. Yeah. And yeah. you had the pause. Like, yeah, you had, yeah. like, beads of sweat yeah. like, <laughs> zooming in on my head. Okay, question, right. question number six. Fingers up, guys. This, this is another two pointer where we might well end up sharing the points. What are the names and ages of Dallas' kids? That is not your mother's grave. Jack, have a go. Lucy, 13. I'm, I'm not allowed to react. Okay. And then give me the next and... one. And... One of them's 10. He's got the ages, but he hasn't got the names. James, can you help? I think one of them's called Sarah. No. No, I don't know then. Louise? It's Louise, 13, and Karen, 10. Oh, I'm going right. to give you one mark for that, right. Jack, because you've kind of got bits of it. Yeah, okay, question number seven. Very easy one here. What's the name of Maggie's gollywog? Oh, I know. <laughs> Who said that first, Danny? Well, you said, oh, I know first. Yeah, no, but, but we both pressed it at the exact same time. Mm. We'll do it again. All right, I got first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. God, have it, have it. Sambo. We both know it, yeah. No, that's wrong. Oh, really? Not Sambo. Oh, no. Sinbad. Sinbad, correct. No, but it's not that. He's been Sambo. He was going to say Sambo, but yeah, she I changed it that. to Sinbad. It's not actually Sinbad. It's Sambo. Oh. Well, she says... But, I mean, she you, says... You, 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 you're, you're, both you're, anyway, so yeah. you're assuming that she's making up the Gollywog's name? Absolutely. That's a big leap. No, I'm no, taking no, no, a final no, no, answer at face she's value. about to say Sambo, and then she changed it, because that's... Yeah. Sambo is racist. A, it's a running joke, because she was about to say Gollywog, but then she changed it to Golly Toy, and then she makes the same mistake again when she goes to say his name. Sambo is a racist uh, derogatory term for... People. Learn, that. Oh. Learn that. Learn yeah, that. Yeah, that, that. I mean, that's not even on. You see, I didn't even uh, that that went over my head. Okay, so so I, just, see, I didn't realise it was really that offensive. I, just, I didn't know that was an offensive thing. I, 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 I just took Simba as the final answer. No, so, so yeah, Sambo is what like the, the colonists used to call uh, the, the colonialists. Sorry, would used to call like Africans when they when they first met them. Right. Okay. So I yeah. didn't know that. But, okay. Anyway, we, your point. Anyway, yeah, I got it anyway. <laughs> I, I buzz first anyway. You're level on four points apiece. So the final question for one point this is going to be the decider. At what time did Dalla's wife go out to buy a cauliflower? Oh, what the f- a man gets suspicious. His wife going out at 
Sorry, cauliflower. Isn't it eight o'clock? It's eight o'clock. Yeah. Well done, yes. James. So James he, nails he, he it again. Can't be beaten. Can't yeah. be beaten. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Theory, theory me. Oh well, that's yeah. not a bad quiz, Danny. I think that was quite yeah, good. Yeah. I, yeah, I expected I other questions. But I again, must say, Jack, you're pushing it too hard. You know, you're saying you know having a baby at sixty-five, going out at nine thirty to buy a cauliflower. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you have to, if you're going to tell a lie, it has to be vaguely believable. Yeah. I mean, what shops are open at nine thirty in Wales? Yeah, exactly. What cauliflower shops are? Well, none. Obviously, that's the point, isn't it? You might just get a Tesco Express. Yeah, no, no, no. Greengrocers he says yeah oh, oh yeah yeah. yeah pushing it a bit yeah but the whole point is it's a suspicious time isn't it yeah she's definitely not going to the screen yeah, she's going to get a nice aubergine that's what yeah. she's doing yeah. <laughs> so I really feel that kind of extras isn't quoted as much as the office and it's definitely not quoted as much as the as extras deserves so I want to have a bit of a call to arms of all of our listeners now okay so we've got lots of social media platforms available and we've also got a group on Facebook it's not our group but it's a really really good group for um all things extras it's called extras hyphen quotes and stuff and it's absolutely dynamite if you're a fan of the uh, hitchmo group or the uk office greatest quotes group for the office this is exactly the same kind of thing it's bloody or the werner blog facebook group (laughs) yeah and i think it's bloody hilarious so yeah we want to get the world quoting extras as often as possible so if you do see any good quotes out there or references to the show tag us in them send them over and we'll and we'll give them a good old share that's how you become fans. You obsessively yeah. quote the show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, get in touch with us. We're on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at Wernham Blog. And I know this is what every podcaster says at the end of an episode, but you could really support us and help us promote the podcast by rating the podcast, reviewing it, or even better, subscribing. So thanks everybody for listening, and um, we'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Bye. 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 Oh no. It doesn't work. No, I haven't actually got any suit. So Danny's just literally, for the sake of the listeners, Danny has tried to do his outro (laughs) quote, which was an impression of him putting his face in soup (laughs) and then adding pepper. Yeah. As if they were going to get that. Oh, dear me. Doesn't work. Yeah.